This is Interrobang, the sometimes queer genre-fluid podcast. And I'm Quentin. I'm Mike. And today's topic, being gay in suburbia. But first, I believe we have a singular supplemental top today. <laughs> I guess you just don't have anything interesting going on with your life, Quentin. Um, no, my life is very boring at the moment. Uh, you don't want to talk about your light rear-ending in the mountains of, uh, by a bunch of rednecks in the mountains of South Carolina? Uh, that's a very sore subject. Oh, okay. Butt still hurts from it? Yep. Okay. All right. Just gonna leave that one alone then. They weren't cute at all. <sighs> Moving along. I, I just wish it was cute rednecks that ran into me. That, that and actually... I, and then I could have took them home. Oh, wait, so so for the record, we're talking about not butt sex, but getting rear-ended by a car here, correct? Both. Okay, okay, cool. All right, moving along. <laughs> yes, Mike. Yeah, no, I, uh, so I received my separation agreement today for work. Um, basically, it's the full contract and agreement for everything to get my severance and sort of lines out everything I have to do, uh, and, uh, just made things real so i'm just sort of uh you know yeah shit's getting real i got a month left before i'm done so you need to start looking for jobs because i can guarantee you probably haven't i have thank you very much uh i'm surprised i've looked for a few but i need to start like getting it out there in in earnest yeah i would have like the first day had been like all right now i can find out finally somewhere i want to fucking go to and be like deuces I, I've been searching, but I haven't been, like, yeah. actively searching. I haven't been actively searching. You know, you don't have a job in, like, a couple weeks. Yeah, but I got that white privilege, so... There's no sense of urgency whatsoever. Once again, white privilege. Okay, so you're gonna, like, take your severance and go on a fucking, like, cruise in, like, Europe or something. And then find a job that pays me as much or more without any trouble at all. Yeah, that's my plan. Fucking love America. Said... <laughs> Said nobody ever. Fuck this country. <laughs> All right. So on to our, uh, on to our topic here. <laughs> yes. On to this fucking topic. God damn, I hate this fucking country. I hate it even more now from this topic. No, I'm kidding. This is going to be an interesting episode because the topic is being gay in suburbia. In parentheses, do we still need gayborhoods? Close parentheses. It's an interesting topic because I know we're on completely different sides of the fence here. And I mean, I just wanted to kind of sum it up as like, this is, it's an idea, at least this assumption that if you are gay and you live in the suburbs, somehow this is like incompatible. <laughs> like it's not possible. Like you just die. <laughs> like gays move out of the city and die. Like literally you cross the city limits and you just like fucking just like rise up to fucking heaven. <laughs> I uh, mean, I mean, or hell, I guess, depending on what you believe in. <laughs> what what does gay heaven look like? Um, it's literally a whole bunch of asses up and like fisting lube. Oh, I was gonna say uh, delicious drinks that don't add any calories. Oh, I was gonna. It's it's probably just a whole bunch of sex. What are you talking about? And delicious drinks that get you drunk but don't make any calories. No, I fuck the. Mm, it's probably mm. a shit ton of meth in he- in gay heaven. Uh, if there are calories and getting fat in heaven, I'm done. I'm not going there. What the hell? What the hell? That's where you'll that's where you'll end up in. Motherfucker. I walked right into that one. Like a gaping asshole. Really did. All right. <laughs> I don't know where. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um it's this yeah, Peckle track here cuz gay heaven's gross. For some reason there's this notion that you can't be gay and live in the suburbs and that it's this identity thing where that being gay in a city and especially a gayborhood is so tied to like the core of gay identity that that's the only way to you can truly engage in your homosexuality. Engage? Okay, apparently this is the pun episode. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be the pun episode. Like I'm also really terrible at puns, so the fact that I was able to like just kind of throw some out there that easily yeah yeah but here's the like i'll just read this quote it's from a article on slate i feel like i read really bougie fucking <laughs> yeah articles you read fucking like slate and vox and, politico 
who's just like, let me read all these like fancy I'm articles. Fucking waspy as shit. Yes, you are. Um. So here's this. Uh, let me read this quote real quick. It's only in the cities like New York, Seattle, Atlanta, or Chicago, Dan Savage advises, that gay people can truly actualize themselves in a safer environment rich with cultural support networks, not to mention potential romantic partners. He's also quoted as saying is, if you are gay in the suburbs or a rural area, GTFO. Right. That's Dan Savage, though. Dan Savage is the um, professional gay asshole, right? He's, He's the shock jock of the gays. He's like the Howard Stern of gays. Yeah, that's actually pretty accurate. But I feel like he's way less gross. Um, I feel like they both had their time of when of relevance, and those times have passed. Okay, then. Just going to throw that out there. Come at me, Dan Savage. Yeah, if you want to at Quentin on Twitter, his Twitter uh, handle is at QDimitri. Have fun. If this is how we get hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> By pissing off the Dan Savage lovers. I'm totally okay with that. I've never been into that. Anyway. Okay. Prefaces. This is not us, or at least me, pitting the city against the suburbs. I don't think one's necessarily better than the other. Each come with their own set of advantages and disadvantages based on whatever lifestyle you want to live. Um, but I, the whole, the core of this, at least the core of my argument, is that the identity that's tied to gayborhoods is kind of in a state of flux and kind of changing, and we'll get to that in a later in the episode of why I think where we are going as a culture and a society now is leading to that decline. Um, kind of where my argument's going to go, but I'll obviously flesh that out later in the episode. But first, I feel like everyone was dying to know the, about our own kind of like gay upbringings as little gaylings. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, considering we both grew up in the suburbs, um, I grew up in the suburbs of Virginia, so yes, and you grew up in a south suburb of Chicago. Yeah. I guess, what was it just like growing up gay in the burbs of Chicago? Well, I mean, like, I don't know if it, like, I came out when I was 18, right? Oh, what the fuck, really? Yeah, you didn't know that? Oh, God, you're one of those. You Wait, how did you not know that? Well, because you're flamboyant as hell, I kind of figured you were like... I- what i don't know i just i i guess i wouldn't describe myself as flamboyant that's interesting i'm being partially facetious oh okay i uh, mean i feel like your the your level of sureness with yourself stemmed from like an early realization slash coming out no i i only came out at 18 like i think i waited i think i purposefully waited until i was sure about myself like i knew about it earlier and i kind of but i think for me i was i waited and kept it in until i was like really ready to do it right okay um, and yeah that was my way of dealing with it but i think because of that i basically passed it straight from most of high school right and uh i didn't have any sort of connection to a gay community beyond watching gay porn and logo tv that was my <laughs> that was my exposure to gays before like 17 gay porn's a community i mean no i mean like i didn't have any exposure to gays that was my community was gay porn and logo tv that was all my my facets of the community i knew about i mean people comment for some fucking reason on porn videos oh my god the worst thing ever is my vidster porn comments they are worse than youtube comments i don't understand why they're there i why do you feel the need to comment on a porn video well and the thing is is the comments are never ever anything like relevant to the actual video yeah they never are there some of them are just like oh my god that guy needs to dm me and i'm like who the fuck do you think you are that like they're like trolling for dick on comments on porn videos the real thing the 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 best type of porn comment is when it's like oh yeah at like 13 minutes and 45 seconds this is what happens i'm like that's what i'm looking for i want that oh guy. yeah like, yeah that guy you. who's like just fast forward to here you just there's like, the money shot I was like, thank you. I don't want to waste my time. I'm like, I'm just ready to just fucking go. Like, thank you for coming in clutch and just giving me what I came for. Coming in the clutch. Boom. Uh, that was my that was my upbringing. And uh, I really didn't make any sort of connection to a community until I got to Ikea at about 16, 17, because I somehow managed to have uh, a gay coworker in the next department over in kitchens and a gay manager in my department in sofas. So I was the first time I was around any gay people. You were sandwiched between gays. Yeah, I was. Wouldn't be the, you could say. Wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, yeah, right. 
Uh, and then I had a fantastic um, bisexual woman um, that I loved. I still love her. She loves girls, currently married to a man, uh, and loves women, currently married to a man. And uh, she and I, she was very accepting and open, and it was fantastic. I totally so. thought you said you had a bisexual. You were gonna say you had a bisexual experience. <laughs> no, which I mean, I'm not really sure what that would actually be. Uh, yeah, that's 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 for another time when there's more alcohol involved. Would that just be a straight experience? No, it'd be a bisexual experience. Oh, because you're having both. Got it. Okay, mm-hmm. I was a little slow on the draw there. See, that's yeah. actually kind of interesting. So, do you think that had anything to do with the fact that you were like in the suburbs? The fact that I guess more that you. Not less your exposure to gays, but more that you chose to come out so much later? Um, Probably. I think that was part of it. I think that I didn't have anybody I could relate to, and especially that I was so, um, what do I always say, uh, gender typical, right? I didn't, I only saw the out gay people, like if you're out earlier in, in, in the early aughts, right? It was like the earlier you came out was the gayer, more flamboyant you were. I feel like if you were out early, it was yeah. because you couldn't it, you couldn't pass as being straight, right? Uh, I'm, I'm literally going to have you eat your words in about two minutes. Okay, because you came out at what, like 12? 14. 14. But I mean like, but at that time, were you passing as straight, do you think? 100 fucking percent pretty much look like i'm 14 and act like i'm 14 still has your waist size changed since you were 14 uh actually no i've actually it has not (laughs) i I can still fit into a 32 (laughs) i hate you i hate you so much my weight has never fluctuated that bad oh my god i hate you even more i can i actually think i can still wear clothes from like eighth grade anyways on you it'd be like a crop top yeah pretty much (laughs) done that ripped things not pretty um so that's just interesting to me i didn't feel like there was any type of like pressure and i lived okay first of all i lived in the south which it living there at the time i didn't realize how conservatively minded people were back then but then obviously you know hindsight's 2020 and me moving away from there made me realize how fucking backwards people are that what that people that i knew grew up with fucking like jesus fucking christ but no i um remember distinctly remember before i get into like me coming out i distinctly remember sneaking episodes of queer as folk anytime that i could i didn't even i didn't i did not even know the name of that fucking show probably until i was like 18 seriously I just knew I was watching some show that was gay and that I needed to keep watching it because I was like, this is the only connection I have to whatever it is that I'm feeling at the time yeah. that 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 I did was that I was able to articulate. I mean, I feel like I was able to articulate it pretty early, like around. Uh, yeah, it was like 14. I was like a freshman in high school and I I'm a relatively sure person in anything I kind of do. So I was like, yeah, OK, whatever. I guess I'm gay now. Like. I just went with it, and there wasn't any type of uh, issue with it at all. And I don't think me living in the suburbs really played any role in me, like, not finding people to relate to. I would almost go as far to say that a lot of people in high school who knew me, not only was it like, oh, that's kind of surprising. It was also a, like, oh, this kid came out and is, like, a contrast to the only other gay guy in the school. So that other people started coming out and coming out to me, and that continually, continuously happened. Well, yeah, high because I mean, like when you're the only gay person, they come to you and they're like looking for like someone else they they but they're, they're safe I, with, I, right? I wasn't the only gay person. Well, okay, I was the only gay Were person you cuter? that I wasn't flamboyant, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying like that in where I was, that had a connotation of that. You oh, really want to could could they yourself? Could could they make an excuse that they were hanging out with you that wasn't like because like where, that wouldn't raise eyebrows? Exactly, there is like there was no need for explanation if you were talking to me. Ah, I see. Uh, that makes sense. So fourteen. So you came out like freshman year of high school, and you spent most of your high school being gay. I or spent being out. I spent all of high school being out. Okay. When did with- you? Who was yes. the first? Did you date in high school? Yes, I, I had a date. boy. I had a boyfriend 
um pro- i i remember this like i like quote unquote came out spring break my freshman year and then i would say within like a month i was dating somebody oh my god the serial monogamy started that early fuck you Yes, it uh, did. Because then after that, I sorry. <laughs> how many years were you dating summer. that person for? The second uh, person. No, no. So okay. See, so I, I didn't get on a streak of like dating someone for like years until I was probably in like my twenties. Like I, the longest, the longest up till probably like twenty one. My longest relationship was like eight months, if that. It was probably like six. But I oh. was like continuously dating people. Like my first boyfriend, I dated for like from March, April-ish till, like, August. And then we broke up, and then I just was chasing him for the remaining three years of fucking high school because I'm a fucking idiot. But I was still dating people. I dated someone, all, all people within the uh, the area. Um, I dated someone else for another, like, four months, then went off, dated someone else for a birthday, so for literally a day. Um, that doesn't count. Fuck off, it counts. And then I also distinctly remember this as well as I remember being, I think I was a junior and this new freshman Galing introduced himself to a group of people. And I was like, I'm dating that one. (laughs) And I immediately, and I immediately, and I did, and it worked. I like fucking was like a predator on this shit. That's okay. Okay. (laughs) Poor choice of words. You're adorable. Poor choice of words. Uh, but no, I literally was like, I'm going to date him. And it was like, probably not the best thing to do. He was just cute and like new and like, I was um, like a puppy. I'm like, Oh my God, a new toy. Like, let me play with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so that happened. I was like, you know, that happened. And then, you know, I, I continuously dated, I dated people. I probably had, I think five to six boyfriends in high school. Yeah. See, I didn't have any, I didn't date anybody until I was like 20. And then this, this is why I'm a fucking house husband. Yeah, because you've gone through all of your all of your uh, relationships I went, already. And that's and maybe that's interesting. To me is like I just went through all of that shit that you would kind of like associate with like moving to the city, being like, okay, you're like blank years old. You move to an area where there's a larger population of gays. You start, you know, hooking up, dating, going, you know, dating multiple people, going through, you know, multiple boyfriends in a couple years, and then you, finally you hit like. 30 or something you're like all right i'm ready to settle down i was like i was done by like 22 yeah but you're also an old soul in general so that's also not surprising yeah but i also was like i i went through the dating phase like my dating phase was done probably by the time i hit college yeah so so like at that time i was like i just wanted to not really settle down i was like and that's when i had like my longest relationship but no it's like i don't which I also went to college in a literal in the literal country, and I still and I had the longest relationship of, well, not ever, but the second longest relationship I ever had was in a college town in literally the middle of buttfuck nowhere. Really was, although you so, could smell it from quite a while away with all the goddamn corn. I know. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So okay, well, see, then that's that's interesting because, like, at least in my upbringing, I didn't have any if. if Exposure to gay culture aside from anything on television and uh, in secrecy. Like, obviously, this is, like, not um, <laughs> with my parents. Like, yeah, let's watch, let's turn on Showtime watch Queer as Folk. I'm like, oh, my God, no one's ever going to fucking find out. Like, I was, like, ready. Like, every time I heard footsteps come near my room, I was, like, fucking finger on the button to turn off the TV. Oh, so you no too? I did that out. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always. <clears throat> Always. But I don't think that ha- that wasn't a result of my location and my, like, era it was more just like i don't it's that general fear of like no one you don't want people to find out yet right yeah so let's fast forward then to where we are now and how that has kind of affected our identities as a gay man as gay adults as gay adults oh that's a scary term we're adults we're We're adults we're approaching gay death you closer than you sooner than i am by like six months Mm, you'll still die before me anyways <laughs> uh so probably with the famous last words hey look what i can do so yeah i i would say like for me it's been funny because i've did suburbs 
I, I like I did suburbs and I had a rural component there because I spent my summers doing summer camps and I was sort of out in the country. Uh, and then I did. Um, Hold on. Did none of your like boys scouting things influence any of this? Well, yeah, but those were just like rural stuff. Yeah. But I think that was, you know, again, I went out camping, but I still came back to suburbia where that my life was. Right. Okay. So, that's fair. You know, um, really still love all that. But like, I think like it was interesting for me for, um, you know, I've gone to, you know, I went to Houston, went to Chicago. And in both cases I was doing, you know, I had a couple years in Houston being close to the city, right. Being actually closer to Houston's neighborhood than I am right now to Chicago's neighborhood. And then uh, being, you know, in the burbs for a year and then being back in Chicago now. Um, so I've seen the different angles of it. And I, I personally uh, think that I got a lot of exposure to gay culture out in Houston because I started dating a, a guy who was in lighting for gay bars, lighting and tech, right? So I was constantly sort of in the gay bar scene or knowing gay people that knew him and sort of, you know, we were always hanging out and there was a lot less... Um, a lot more comfort with it because I had a community that I had worked my way into by having friends in it than I had by just being like, Oh, you're gay. We should be friends, you know, which never happens. Uh, yeah, exactly. So like, wait, you dated someone who is in, who's heavily involved with like the gay culture and gay scene in Houston. Yeah. Both my, both my longer term boyfriends in Houston were heavily involved in the gay scene. And I also, was when I moved to this I moved to Chicago for a year and I was dating someone who was heavily involved in Chicago's gay scene. Oh, was this the Roscoe's thing? I forgot about that one. Roscoe's? Yeah, you always used to talk about here at Roscoe's all the time because it's where he wanted to go. I yeah, I love going to Roscoe's, but no, he worked at Scarlet. Well, I know, but you were yeah, okay. Anyways. Oh, yeah. But that's an interesting parallel that I did not see coming because that exposure uh was kind of overstimulating yeah i for me too it, it was for me too it was always funny because with the one with one boyfriend the one who was you know in working at the bars there was almost a uh burnout from it so there was this thing of like the you know there was us and what we would go do and then there was the bar gaze and it was one of these things where he's like ugh. sunday fun day i'm gonna have all the drunk homos wanting to do their uh brunching right and it was sort of like much more like negative in sense that like he was like all the party boys and he was burnt on the whole bar scene in general where the other one was in the bar scene. And so we would go out to the, the go-go bars, you know, with his gaggle of girls, as he called them. Um, and we would, you know, get drunk and, you know, go out and get an Uber home and stuff like that. So was it like begrudgingly hanging out with the gays and being part of the gay scene or was it like there were certain aspects that were like uh yeah it was certain aspects that were sort of frustrating so i think for the first one it was a little bit begrudging and just slightly frustrating and more of a thing of like i spend my work day around the gays i don't want to go back out again at night to the gays as well Uh, oh okay you don't want to play where you work yeah, you don't want to play where you work, and also the general like burnout. It's like it's like working at Las Vegas. Like if you're constantly like you were talking about like overload. If you're constantly at the bar scene night after night, you're just like I don't want to be there again, right? Listen, I fucking lived in Boys Town, like not literally, but every night it did. It did all of a sudden it just came out of nowhere and ramped up to this point where it was like Monday through Saturday, I was in Boys Town. Oh my god. Maybe there was one day during the week I was like, I have something else to do. No, probably not. I think we still went there after I finished something. Because this was also the time I was like, I was stage managing a play, too. Oh, right. I forgot about that. So I think after rehearsal, we still went out to fucking Boys Town. Mm -hmm. Fuck me. Like, it's like, obviously, like, that's like the one of the noticeable differences, obviously, is the fact that there's like the gay nightlife, which also is so entrenched in our gay identity where it's like the you know nightlife partying and this like celebration of gayness that's really and that's what i and that's what i got of it when i first yeah absolutely it's just everybody just being like i'm being gay as fuck right now and no one can fucking tell me otherwise yeah i'm being my true self right now and that's awesome and 
there were obviously multiple times where I'm just like, you get so rep, you get caught up in it. Yeah. And it's, it is so fuck, it is enjoyable. And I don't want to take that away for anything. And I'm not trying to say that it's like, it's like getting caught up is like probably the worst word. To me, it's almost like equates like being at a concert where it's like you're at a shared event with people sharing the same experience that you are. Yeah. Then, but now let's bring it to another level who have like, probably experienced the same type of trials and tribulations that you have and you're now congregating in this one area enjoying the shit out of everybody yep. out your out of yourself your life and everything and just being like i remember i at one point i was like this is this is life like so, this is what it should be like so let me let me blow your mind for a minute if you took that exact same sentence right and that whole thing you said about being like i'm with like-minded people we're congregating we're talking about we're sharing our experiences and we're having a shared experience together that could be a church. Uh, I think Sunday Funday is is gay church, right? But no, what? Yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> but, what, but what I'm talking about is like there's an interesting parallel. I just realized in the fact that you know if you look if you look at religion at the human from the human level, I'm going to go on a tangent here, but follow me for a minute. You look at religion on the human level, you realize that the value of religion for a lot of people is not about the doctrine or about the beliefs, but it's about coming together and having like-minded people in the same room, sharing their beliefs. It's the same thing you get as being in a concert full of people who are all excited about the same thing. There's an energy to it, right? And there's an energy to being in a place where everybody is praying in the sense that you're all doing something together to a common cause. And there's a feeling that comes out of that, that you, you have, right? Um, I think similarly, like a lot of things sociologically, being like-minded people, being together, having all this experience is just so stimulating. It makes us so happy, right? That we 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 want to go do it more. You have yeah. There's this positive experience, a positive yeah, a positive correlation with that. I mean, let's let's be honest. Like most nights out in a neighborhood is a religious experience. Like let's be honest. A little bit, yeah, but like using that parallel, it's interesting because it's like if we take away all the bad things about it, it is a great thing. Yeah, right. It well, okay. No shit, Sherlock. If you take all the bad things out of something, it would be great. Yes, but I'm I'm using I'm trying to allude that there's bad shit in fucking neighborhoods as oh, well. Yeah, absolutely. That we uh, tend to gloss that we tend to gloss over, being like it's not that bad. Yeah, but gay hell is absolutely karaoke night at a bad gay bar with something trying someone trying to sing chandeliers by sia i can tell you that from experience from every fucking night i would go to visit my boyfriend and karaoke night i swear to god somebody would be trying to sing chandeliers by sia and butchering it every goddamn night i mean if you do it as a joke then i'm okay no no they really thought they could hit that note they thought they could hit that note there's so many, so many gays who try and think they can and they don't. Like, it should be banned as a karaoke song. I think that is, like, the best joke karaoke song, though. No, you just, it, you no, just no, scream. No, it's the best torture karaoke song. You just scream. I <laughs> want to swim from the Shishinahis. The Shishinahis. That's exactly what happens every time. We're going to literally blow out people's eardrums. <laughs> I think our levels have just like beyond peaked. I think oh, yeah. I broke my fucking microphone. It was that. a flat line on my side for a solid <laughs> second there. We're just like, nope, that's the max. It was like, you're done. I, I moved away because you're supposed to move further away when you're singing high. Oh, yeah, I didn't. You know, I didn't. You didn't do that. <clears throat> no. But, all right. You're not so, a pro karaoke or. I'm not a pro karaoke-er. I am. I fucking love karaoke. Okay. Uh, so then, I guess the question is, where are you now, geographically? Geographically, I'm I'm in a, I'm in a gay... I'm in NPR's target demographic, right? But I'm near a gayborhood. I'm on the north side of Chicago, so I'm in the gayer part of the city. And I'm in a suburb. Yeah. Funnily enough, cocks abound in both of them. Just... Uh, Different types. He's referring to, if you didn't listen to one of our previous episodes, please do, A, and then you'll know what we're talking about. Uh, the fact that there were chickens running around my subdivision on a fucking Sunday for no fucking reason, and I wanted to kill all of them. Which, well, also, I finally conceded that I officially live in the country. And I fucking love it. 
But I also enjoy the city, too, because I work in the city. It's interesting because any time that is brought up, that I bring it up, it's always like, why do you live in the suburbs? And then I say, which suburb? And they're like, why do you live in that suburb so far the fuck away? And it's so ingrained in our gay culture that it's like, you needed to be, I need, I need to, first of all, why did I even think about not trying to live in the city? A, I did live in the city. B, it's too fucking expensive. C, I like having a car <laughs> and all the wheels on it. <laughs> fuck you. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. <laughs> And and for me, it wasn't really anything to do with the fact that I needed to experience the gayness. It's like I lived, I enjoyed living in Chicago because I was able to carve out a specific niche in where I was living, and you know the certain activities I was engaging. They weren't they weren't one hundred percent gay. If that's like the easiest way to describe it, is that I wasn't after I you know finally weaned myself from going to Boys Town six out of seven days a week. I just started doing, I guess, the other things you would do in the city that exist because it's so fucking large. There's things you to do. So for me, moving to the suburbs wasn't really that much of a a shock because I tend to be. I I, I was. I think I was kind of just over it at the time. I was like, okay, I did it. I tried it. It wasn't bad. Is would I go back and do it again? Easily, I would. I would totally live in the city again. My current situation that I'm in right now and how I'm kind of living my life that's not possible. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And the fact that I've seen I was looking up shit for this episode and I came across these like this random ass like forum of like it said single gay 35 Chicago suburbs question mark. And the comments were like, uh, are you trying to kill yourself? It's like there's no reason like essentially like why are you trying to leave the city the city's fantastic all this greatness it's like there are there's no gay life outside it, it anywhere which is not true in all the suburbs of chicago but it's like it's just it's a funny it's a, it's a joke obviously it was a joke but it's like it's funny that it's like ingrained and so easy it's like you're a gay man living you're trying you're moving out of the city it's like what the fuck is wrong with you well but also i mean like let's let's look at you i mean like you've said so many times in this episode um you sort of burned out and settled in and you're like, I am happy to be a house husband, right? And so... That wasn't by choice. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, but that also puts to the point that like, I think being in the city and being like, what's the number one reason for being in the city amongst all the gays? Let's be honest. It's about dating. It's about finding connection, right? Building a friend network. But at some point you built your friend network. You have your, you know, you have your boyfriend or your person you're going to be with forever, whatever. And then you're like, why do we need to be in the city anymore? Like the value of it is that like Chicago is the highest proportion of single people um, compared to any other city in the United States. Yep. Uh, as like per population capita or whatever, there are more single people here than there are anywhere else in the U.S. And so I think there's that part of it. It's like once you've settled in and once you've got your people, why do you need to be in the city to meet more people? I mean, and well, that was me even before I even moved like away from college. It was like I had my core group and it was like I didn't move to the city to expand or you know find a new group of people I was am also just fine like I don't need like for me it was like I don't need that like that's also also I'm not the type of person that to seek that in real life if, yeah. if you get what I'm saying like yeah you don't seek connections like that in real life you're not a social you're social but you're not like a like a find your, your ideal thing is not meeting new people I'm sociable. I'm not social. Yes, that's the way to put it. So then, I guess, with you living in the city and being near the neighborhood, is that has that affected your gay identity in any way? Uh yes, it has actually. Um, I think the biggest thing is this whole poly thing that's taken off. That you know, I've wanted to do. I feel like that's a lot easier. Is not the word I want to use, but that's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, it is. The it, the probability of you finding people who are more open to that, obviously due to population density or it's a lot easier there. Right. I'm I'm putting the hoe and home wrecker without the wrecker part. Um Jesus fucking Christ. I don't know how you want to phrase that. But I mean like I'm you know, I have two husbands that I'm fooling around with, three technically. Yeah, three. Where they're in open marriages, right? And losing like, count already. I'd shut up. <laughs> this is what this is what I mean by I've slept with such a high percentage of our followers. Um <sighs> We need to change that. <laughs> well, let's get more followers to dilute the ratio. Um, Until you have sex with him. 
<laughs> I can't help it, all right? Yes, uh, yes, you can't put your dick away. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, that 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 thing's been interesting and sort of the 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 dating opportunities have definitely been greater. I mean, it's also like you hop on Grinder, you hop on anything here. There just seems to be more of a mix of people. Like it gets stale in the suburbs really quick. Like there's okay. the same 12 boxes. I want to okay, I want to challenge that cuz I'm actually I'm curious. I know you didn't start dating until you were practically, you know, dead. When you were dating, first of all, did you date in the burbs? Yeah. Secondly, how successful do you think you were at that as far as, like, finding people? Not very. Really? I mean, I found people, but, like, you know, my first dating relationship turned out to be kind of ridiculous and then my second turned out to be he turned out to be a real dick and then you know the third and fourth were like other people that i found in the burbs uh and they were uh i guess they were decent but i know I, I i always felt like i found people i wanted to date but i didn't find people that i wanted to be friends with like i didn't find genuine connection that was beyond like oh i might want to date you and see where this goes you know i feel like so was it just pure numbers that there wasn't enough people? Yeah, I think so. But how does that see? Now here's what I think is like you were you were mobile because you had a car. Yeah. So then, what? Why do you think that it was so much harder? Because for me, I felt like there's no difference. Well, but I think that that was the thing though. Was like I ended out going all over the hell and back in the suburbs, right? One guy I dated was in Shorewood. One guy I dated was in Park Forest. Another guy I dated was in Elgin. Another guy I dated was in... They were never close. One was in Chicago. One was in Joliet. Like I, I felt like I was going all over the suburbs to find connections and people that I would go like all over the neighborhoods in Chicago, but that's like a two-mile radius. Okay, see, you know? like I made a game out of this where it's like I had a set radius of people that I would talk to, and then I would maybe expand from that if I actually, you know, kind of like tap that pool already. So that's, it was like I, that's dating apps is the radius. Yes, we all get that. Yeah, I know, but it's like I feel like that's not diff. Like, what is hard about that? Like, I wasn't all over the place when I was dating in the burbs. I was within a very, and even this was back before dating ass motherfucker. Back when I was in high school, it was MySpace. Well, yeah, but like. I never, oh my god, I never did that. Like that. Well, so you essentially were sliding into DMs before they were DMs. Yeah, motherfucker, because it was so much easier. Because like all I did was check for people who were within like a ten mile radius <laughs> of where I live. You like searched MySpace for gay and near me. Is that yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah, you could filter by if you search people, you could filter by their orientation. You could do that on Facebook until they got rid of it too. I forgot about that. Listen, I'm a fucking grade A sleuth. It's like if I want to find people to date, I will find people to fucking date. Oh, I know you. I know you. Um, dated someone from Craigslist. Yes, I was gonna go there. Yeah. Yes, I did. Uh, I had a year and a half long relationship from a guy I dated on Craigslist that started as a hookup. Boy bidding. Boy bidding. That's what you called it, where you were like, "It's boy bidding." I just go on there and sort of bid and see what I get for Craigslist hookups. What's the difference between that and fucking grinder? Nothing. I'm I'm not I'm just saying. That's what you call it. I know. It. I remember this conversation. But I'm just but okay, but I I just like I find that interesting when people are like there's no one to date in the burbs. It's like no, it's like there's no one to date that you are that you're looking for. Well, okay, like, that's let's that's qualify fair. that. There was no one to date I was looking for, but I also feel like I found people I was dating that I wanted to date and was looking for in the city much easier. I mean, of course, yeah, it's going to be easier, but it's like, what does easy ever get anybody? You got to work for what you want. And if I want that dick, I'm going to work for it. Okay. Good to know. Um, okay. Um, um, <laughs> do you have anything else to add to that? No, I know. Uh, I think I'm good. Um, no, I think. And, and so this pivot you have of like, well, I won't steal your thunder. Okay. So then that kind of like leads me to this like. The both of us, even though you live in the city now and you chose not to live in the neighborhood for, well, the main neighborhood, there's like the uh, like a grown up neighborhood too. I'm kind of like I'm neighborhood adjacent. I'm kind of like sandwiched between the neighborhoods. You like, just enjoy being sandwiched between gays. Apparently, that's my thing. Yeah, you're just like being the meat in the sandwich. Apparently, 
That's to give me really terrible mental images of yeah. any time you say you're oh, with yeah. the husbands. Yeah. Plenty of mayo in that sandwich. Wouldn't you technically be like bologna? I, okay. Let's not <laughs> torture food. I do not want to sexualize food. It's not happening. Food has already been sexualized. Where are you? This is America. I, do, I'm, I don't want to for me. Can we? All right. Let's move along here. <laughs> um, This idea that you live in the city but not in a neighborhood and I chose to live in the suburbs. And the fact that we are somewhat... And the fact that we aren't doing that is leading to, or I guess is like the reflection of this change that I'm kind of, I'm going to interject this in here, of post-gayness. And that this is leading to the decline of gayborhoods of where we're moving outward from the safe havens back into the rest of society. Because being gay is not how we define ourselves 100% all the time. Because, you know, tempering of societal attitudes towards LGBT people. Yeah. The whole idea about this post-gayness thing, which, I mean, even, like, thinking about this, or even, like, I was researching this, is there is um, a book, actually, about it that uh, profiles Chicago and the de-gaying of these iconic gayborhoods. The book is written by Amin Gaziani, I'm totally butchering that name. It's There Goes the Gayborhood, question mark. The entire book is actually talking about this notion that we live in a post-gay era where that your sexual orientation doesn't def- doesn't form the core of how we identify with ourselves and how we define ourselves. The fact that this is a prevailing thought is now causing us to move out of these gayborhoods. I mean, do you kind of feel that same way? Yes. I, sp- I, I, I kind of wanted to just have a short answer just to like juxtapose it with your... With your lengthy response there. Um, no, okay, fine. I'll actually respond fully. Uh, I wasn't going to say anything until you decided to, you know, respond. Yes, I think so. I think that as the gayborhoods, again, so the gayborhoods and societal forces pushed us together. And it was one of these things where uh, we had a common bond. There was a common, we, I didn't experience this, but like my gay brethren, ancestors, whatever you want to call them, the gays before us. Uh had a common bond of like coming together to be themselves in this, in this space geographically. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like, if you wanted to be yourself, you went to a gay bar or you went to a gayborhood where you knew you were safe and that no longer is necessary. Right. And without, with that not being necessary and you're no longer needing to feel safe you, because you feel safe in your space and you don't no longer have to go to a gayborhood or be around a gaggle of 50 gays where you're like, I can now be myself. Right. Yeah. Um, you don't need to, you don't need to be the gayborhood doesn't have as much value anymore. I mean, do you feel right? that we have a responsibility, responsibility to gay it forward and like keep these alive? Uh, I think we have a responsibility to build and keep vibrant communities that support each other. Right. Whether that's, uh, a reddit forum or a social media page or if that's a gay bar that we support or if it is lgbt businesses i do think there is a there you should provide a safe space for people uh, you know for people like yourself to be themselves and support a community of you know people like you right but i don't know if it necessarily means we have to like keep the gayborhood i mean i think that we should first like historical purposes be responsible for the preservation of those areas because they are they are a part of our history and and iconic in that way but i think that doesn't really mesh well with kind of whatever like where society is and culture in america at least as a whole is going towards and that's and that's kind of my idea where it's like i was on the fence originally when i brought up this topic of like do we need neighborhoods and like i my gut check was like no we don't need them anymore and it's like as you were saying we we're going to be giving way to like a new era of gayborhoods. They're not going to be now these like centralized hubs and these, you know, major cities. It's like, they're now going to disperse into little pockets probably outside of these major cities. And for me, I guess I'm like excited to see what that's going to be because it's like re like there always, there always should be a time for us to reinvent, you know, reinvent ourselves and reinvent what a gayborhood means to us. Thanks to all the technology as well. But Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's, I feel like the new modern gayborhood is, is a Reddit page, right? Like gay bros, right? I think gay bros is a new modern gayborhood. 
And I think you're going to see a change of it being based on geography and now being based on a cultural, con- you know, congregation, right? Um, where, you know, you are going to have people who are close and you're going to have like enclaves. I think you're going to find more liberal areas being more accepting of gays, getting more people. Like you'll have liberal pockets where it's like, oh, you know, the gays are more accepted in this area. So there might be more of them per capita, right? But I think you're going to see a lot more of a less geographic and a more, you know, informational where it's like, yep, there is a Reddit gay bros community. There are people who follow, there is gay Twitter, right? I think, And those are going to become, sorry, those are going to become good. the congregation points of a gay community versus an actual bar. I right? think the physicality still needs to be there. I kind of look at those as like the gay newspapers as like, that's how we disperse information. But I still think the physical like even as much as i fucking love just doing everything and talking to people online like that's a whole different story but it's like i understand the value in the personal connection in that there's just something about being somewhere in mass in numbers in volume where it's like there's is stamping out a like visual representation of something than just a purely digital manifestation of it I yeah. think I think both I think both are kind of go hand in hand to be honest. I think there's yeah. going to be I think that I would just love one day it's like all the gamers are like, "Hey, everyone, let's move to fucking Albuquerque or something like that." It's like <laughs> Albuquerque? I don't know. I read something that like Albuquerque's becoming like the next gayerhood. Like they're like like going to Marfa, Texas. I mean, yes. But it's like if you think about it, it's like or like Detroit. Like Detroit is is the perfect example of a gayborhood that could like gayborhoods were founded in these underprivileged underserved you know like dilapidated areas and it's like we you just go in we go in and renovate the fuck out of them throw in a whole foods and then it's fucking gentrified yeah but i mean like i guess you're missing the (laughs) point of like i know i'm kidding kidding. all right all right right. i'm making a joke all right Uh, (laughs) fucking christ but no i'm like i'm saying like that's just like a like a good example of like that wasn't there before and that maybe now it's going to be less of it being in like the more popular populous uh, cities and now more in like smaller up and coming ones or little pockets here and there. You know, it's like, what is, why does anyone fuck talk about Palm Springs as a gayborhood? It's literally, it's a gay city. Like it's literally oh, yeah. run by gays. Palm, Palm Springs is run by gays month, and has like literally the run most- by gays. Palm Springs hosts the um, Latino Oasis thing. Have you ever seen this? Yes, I have. Uh, yeah. Palm Springs hosts some of literally the gayest events possible. There's also some bear thing there, too. There's a bear thing in Mexico I want to go to that one of my one of my friends wants to take me to. I'm thinking about it. Uh, do you classify as a gay? A bear? I do classify as a bear. Mm. I could be a bear. D- do you want to be a bear? I want to be a bear. That sounded okay. Anyways, I uh, mean, whatever you gotta tell yourself. I want to be a bear. Shush. Uh, I don't know why this reminded me of this, but it was reminded of a Far Side comic. All you need to know is there's a bunch of dogs all sitting in a bar, and this one dog is sitting at the bar, looking around, kind of concerned. And then, uh, all of a sudden, it's like, well, these two dogs are looking around concerned, and like Bob and Steve noticed no one else was wearing a collar. Suddenly, they realized they were in a stray bar. Oh my god! I love this so much. You don't even know. I love this. It's like I, I have a literal Far Side collection over there, like right over there, that is like two bound volumes of the best Far Sides that I got when I was seven years old because apparently I was a 40-year-old dad when I was seven. Oh, my. It's amazing. God, my eyes are closed because I cannot bear to look at you anymore. Okay. All right. On that note. I can't. On that note, final thoughts. Do you think we still need neighborhoods? And is being gay in suburbia that bad? Uh, Yes and no. Such a man of few words. Surprisingly. Well, obviously, let me wrap it up with the insightful comment of the episode, because apparently that's what I do. Except not this time. Yeah, I believe that, you know, neighborhoods as as they exist now are not going to probably remain as they are. And I think we have a responsibility to preserve the history of them and, you know, keep the businesses vibrant and alive as possibly can. But 
maybe we should also be looking towards the new next wave of neighborhoods, whatever those may be. They might not, they might not even be something we can like conceptually think of right now. So I don't know. I'm kind of excited to see that. And also, guys, being gay in the suburbs is not that terrible. There's other things we could talk about. We'll probably do that in a different episode, but it's not that bad out here. I promise. Sure. I promise. Uh huh. Just find yourself a rich trophy husband. And then it won't be, and it's even better. Okay. Uh, Questionable Excitable? Yeah, do we have them? Do you have any Questionable Excitables? I have one. Oh, okay. So. So I didn't. Ha- so you don't have a question excitable. Like I didn't have a subtop. Yeah, apparently. Perfect. That's fine. I like talking anyway. So my excitable fucking thing was stemming from Black Friday, where I was in Macy's. Is this about the Nespresso? All right, guys. Well, that's all we have for today. <laughs> I'm done. You're I'm done. done with me. Okay. I don't. I'm not. I'm not even doing it. Okay. Quentin bought a Nespresso and he loves it. I'm not. No, that's it. We're rolling credits. I'm done. All right. Roll credits. (laughs) I'm. I'm fucking. I fucking hate you. Roll credits. Roll credits. (laughs) What? I love doing it. (laughs) I know. Thanks for listening to Interrobang. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Intero Podcast. Don't forget to shoot us a text or leave us a voicemail at 802-331-331. Bang. That's 802-331-2264. If you want to email us, email us. You can also do that at interropodcast at gmail.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-R-O podcast. I'm not spelling that. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Overcast, Pocket Casts, literally anywhere that ends in cast. I bet you we're on there. Uh, and as always, he forgot the Reddit. We're located on d- Reddit I'm- at reddit.com slash r slash podcast. I'm just going to let you keep doing that so you have one thing to say in the outro. Makes me feel special. Sure. Yeah, check that out as well. We've been posting questions on there. Also, leave us a review. Post, Give us some stars on any of the apps that you utilize to listen to us. And that's all the time we have. So, hey, Mike. Hey, Quentin. Happy National Stay at Home Because You're Well Day. Yep. Okay. Stay at home because you're well. I might do that tomorrow. I'm also might do that tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck work. Bye.